0: Welcome back to the Pear Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra, and this is episode 13. I have a really great topic planned for today, but I wanted to start off with giving you guys some updates and some coupon codes that we have especially for you, and just chatting a little bit about this and that. For example, I'm about to take my first sip, Of this coffee that is going viral on social media, Bird Nerd Sophie and I were chatting about it. She said it's fantastic; she loves it. So I'm giving it a try today. It's basically a cup with ice and cold milk, so it is a cold version of coffee. And then you make this paste that you pour on top, and the paste is made with. Three spoons, I use small spoonfuls of instant coffee, three of these spoons of sugar, and then three spoonfuls of hot water. And you stir it all up and you make this paste out of it. And here I am holding this like I'm about to spill it. And you make this paste and you pour it on top of the milk and the ice. And that's what I did. So I'm about to give this a try, but it looks like Mia wants to try it as well. Yeah. So here we go. Oh my God. It is so good. It is actually the tastiest homemade iced coffee that I have made. Honestly, if you're from Canada, you'll know what this tastes like. It reminds me of an ice cap from Tim Hortons. Oh my gosh. This is so good. Sophie, I agree. This is really delicious. And if you haven't tried this, you need to try it. It is just amazing iced coffee that you can make at home. There is soon going to be nothing left of this. So let's jump into the fun stuff. So I got me some new toys. And if you've been following us on Instagram and on YouTube... Then you'll probably have seen all of our new bird stands and toys and fun mind games that I got for Mia. I recently got her these Trixie snack cups toy game and it's basically three little boxes. The whole thing is wooden and they have different types of lids and I taught her how to forage for the treats that are inside of those cups, right? Are you telling everybody? My gosh, you're so cute! And what else did we get that's new? Is these awesome burb t-shirts. This one has a little conure on it. It's a pineapple conure, a cockatiel, and a lovebird, and it says "grow positive thoughts." And it is so adorable. I just love these shirts, and the material is fantastic. I love the material of this one. I love the color. And I ordered a size up so that I can get that oversized, comfy look and feel. And I got it. Where did I get this cute t-shirt from, Burbtown? That's B-I-R-B dot T-O-W-N. You can check out Burbtown's website as well. And you can shop from anywhere from Europe, North America, And just all over the globe, they have awesome t-shirts and it's actually a small business. It's a girl named Jane and she is just lovely. Her customer service is beyond five stars and I really love these t-shirts. So we also have a coupon code for you guys. You can use Mia5 at checkout on the Burbtown website and that way you can get 5% off your orders. What's next? We also have another coupon code for you guys, and that's for Planet Pleasures. You can get 20% off with the coupon code Mia20 when you're shopping for all of your parrot's favorite toys or new toys from planetpleasures.com. So make sure you check out those awesome t-shirts and awesome and safe bird toys. I also have another t-shirt from Town, but I'll show you guys that one next time. And I'm so excited for that one because it is also so cute. Okay. What's next? I was also inspired by my chat with Georgie or Georgia from at Archie the Conyer. And she was talking about how Archie learned all these phrases and two of her Conyers can say quite a few words. Archie goes through all these different phrases that he likes to say for a period of time. And currently it's, I love you. And I thought that that was the cutest thing. And I've been trying to get Mia to say, I love you or mama for so long. So I followed her tips, which was to basically talk to your bird all of the time. I mean, I do this already, but now I'm talking to her even more. And usually I'm throwing in an I love you or mama when we're spending time together or when I go over to her, I'm saying mama, mama, mama over and over again. And hopefully one day she's going to say, "Mamma mia. So another thing is parent or parent ownership. It's really a learning curve and we are constantly learning. And I know that this is something that I talk about a lot. And I also started this podcast because I want to bring you guys even more information about parrots and quality information, because there is a lot of info out there nowadays on parrots, but not all of it is good information or accurate information. And some of it is outdated or just complete myths. And so that's why with this podcast, the goal is to bring you even more good quality parrot content and it's also the reason why we have a YouTube channel and we do lots of great short videos or hopefully great short videos on Instagram and YouTube just so that we can share this as much as possible. So I want to take a moment to also thank you for tuning into the podcast and just helping it grow. I appreciate each and every one of our listeners and that is you. So Basically, what I wanted to chat about a little bit is a post that I saw, which had a beautiful reminder. I keep looking over to the side because I did make notes so that I can remember everything I wanted to chat about. But it had a beautiful reminder about when you're bringing a parrot into your home, you have to also take a look at it from a different perspective. It's not just bringing a pet home or just bringing an animal home. They have really wild instincts. With parents, it's quite different. And what the post was getting at is that you have to remember that you are bringing the wild into your home. And I thought that that was such an interesting and great perspective that we could share on the podcast because we are bringing the wild into our home. And a lot of people often struggle with that because parrots have wild instincts. They bite, they destroy, they make a noise. It is natural for them to do so. They make a mess. They waste food. And other pets, you know, that are more common in most households don't do these things or they don't do them the same way. And so it's really important for us to remember that we are bringing the wild into our home. And that's why I also always try to do things as close to nature intended as possible. So, creating little bird stands and feeding healthy veggies and fruits and researching their behaviors and Noise levels and things like that, and how they behave and how they hide their sicknesses and their hormones, and all these different things. And it's really quite a learning curve. And if you are a new parent and you just got a bird, or you're new to this, you're a few weeks in, a few months in, even a year in, believe me, you will be constantly learning. And that's why it's also great to jump on YouTube, jump on this podcast follow different pages so you can get different ideas and different information because I might share some fun facts or a tutorial or something on one thing and another creator might share something on another thing. And so you're constantly learning and there's so much information, but if you're following all the good quality stuff, then you're going to get good quality information, tips, tricks, ideas, and things like that. And in our previous episode with Sophie, we talked about parrots in the wild and observing parrots in the wild and looking at research studies of parrots from the wild, because then we can better understand what parrots do in the wild. Another thing was Sophie found a study on foods that Conyers like to eat in the wild. So she sourced some of those and offered it to her birds. And I think that that's a great idea. And I'm constantly trying to find new things and new items and safe items that are going to enrich Mia's life. So. Another thing I also wanted to mention in regards to that is wing clipping. I've been seeing a lot more about this online and I've seen some really great videos of people who are pro flying and anti wing clipping. And I am on that team. I will be honest. I don't believe in, you know, clipping a bird's wings. That's what makes a bird, a bird and No matter how you look at it, I know there's a bunch of people who are like, it's safer and my bird won't fly away and all of these different things and I'm doing it for their safety. Um, and will comment things on other people's videos or DMs saying shame on you for you know being anti-wing clipping. But if you really do the research and understand the psychological effects that it has on a bird and understand the physical effects that it has on them as well, it affects them mentally, emotionally, physically, in just so many ways. But it's as if someone took that away from you temporarily. took your legs because they don't want you to walk away or leave and what we should do instead of clipping a bird's wings to keep them safe or from flying away is we should allow them the opportunity to fly indoors and secure your doors your windows you can get nets put on there's really great ones out there we got custom nets done for each of our windows and our balcony door so that If the door or window is ever open or a guest comes over and forgets that our bird is out and cracks the window open, we don't have to worry because we have nets everywhere and we always pay attention to when she's out and supervising and doors being opened and things like that. So there are ways of preventing our birds from flying away and keeping them safe and that includes also supervising them every time they have out of the cage time, but allowing them to fly and spread their wings and build those muscles and develop confidence and all of these different things. And I already have a guest in mind to bring on to the show, hopefully, and chat more about the importance of flight for birds and why wing clipping is full of cons, really. I don't see any pros to it. And Talk a little bit even about free flight. And if you're interested in that and you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below. But... I think that it's also beneficial to talk a little bit about free flight because it is not something that is for everyone. And there are a lot of things to consider and the most important ones are training and recall. Um, Next is also the size of your bird and predators in the area and researching your area and just making sure that when you do free flight, it's in a really safe environment and There's not going to be any risk posed to your bird. So there's a lot of things to consider. And there's also alternatives. You can have them out and flying around in your home, giving them that out of the cage time every single day. Mia gets a lot of out of the cage time. She's probably out of the cage at least half of the day. But I also am fortunate enough that I work from home. So I'm able to have her out and hang out with me when I am on the computer or doing stuff or I set up a lot of her bird stations right near my workspace. So that I can keep an eye on her, but she is also keeping busy. Alternatively, you could also find maybe a community on Facebook or other bird parents and get a gym space or find out where they go with their birds. Because I know that there are some gyms or school gyms that will allow you to come in and use the space for a certain amount of time. And you can bring your bird and let them have this massive Space to fly around, but before you do something like that, recall training and making sure that they're good at flying and all of these different things are going to be really important. So, if you're interested in all of that, then I will find us a guest to join us on the show and talk more about free flight training, anti-wing clipping, the pros and cons, why people do it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This coffee is so good. This is the only coffee I'm drinking until it's completely fall. But since it's already September, I will be completely honest with y'all. Every time it's a little cool outside, I get so excited because fall is my favorite season. And I love sweater weather. I live in leggings. I love them. And I am obsessed with PSLs. I need a pumpkin spice latte in my body, in my blood, in my bones as soon as possible. So I need to find my way over to Starbucks and ask them if they will serve me up a pumpkin spice latte. I don't know who my pumpkin spice latte lovers are because you either love them or you're like pumpkin doesn't belong in coffee. But for me, pumpkin spice really belongs in coffee and I love it. So we talked a little bit about predators when we were talking about free flight. But today's topic is going to be interspecies relationships because I get this question a lot. I have a blog and a video and an Instagram highlight on interspecies relationships because we do have a dog and we do have a parrot. And when Lambo is small and we moved to Thailand, we also got Mango. And so if you don't know or you're new to the podcast or the channel, Mango is happy, healthy, and well. And he's basically been a Adopted by our best friends. When we were in Thailand we got Mango and then when we relocated to Poland we came with Lambo but Mango was supposed to join us later on and we got Mia. So we've always had a dog and a bird and basically since we started to get pets I think Lambo was about seven or eight months old No, he was nine months old. No, he was eight months old. (laughs) Yeah, he was eight months old when we brought Mango home. And then he basically, from that point on, has grown up and been around birds. But Lambo is also a toy poodle. And he has a very, very gentle, calm, and sweet personality. And really, we just nicknamed him Angel. Angel. And that is like his second name because he really is just that, an angel. So you need to consider what type of animals you have and if the relationship would be safe. And so first, before we get into talking more about interspecies relationships and how it works and if it works and how to go about it, I want to talk a little bit about predators for parrots. Because in this episode, I'm going to be specifically talking about a bird and dog relationship. And so first, let's talk about predators. So predators for parrots can really vary, but they do have quite a few. And of course, there's birds of prey like hawks and eagles and other types of big birds. They will hunt perhaps parrots or their nests with their eggs. And then another one is snakes. We have to remember that parrots come from the wild in the jungle and there are snakes there. And there are different snake species that are skilled climbers and they look for parrot nests to feed on eggs, chicks, or even adult parrots. So yeah, snakes are another one. So if you have a bird don't have a snake. If you have a snake, do not get a bird. That to me is a terrifying combo. The next one is lizards. In the jungle and in the wild, there are also tons of different types of lizards who will catch and eat parrots or they'll hunt parrot eggs and baby birds and even adult birds. In the jungle, there's also primates. Some species of monkeys um, may prey on parrots and They're baby birds. The next one is cats and dogs. Yes, they are predators for a bird. A dog or a cat's natural instinct when they see a bird is to catch it. And cats are exceptionally skilled at jumping high places and they have really sharp claws and really sharp teeth. And I personally would never trust a cat around a bird. I've also seen way too many videos of a cat killing a bird, a parrot, a budgie, a conure. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. So with dogs, it really depends. And we're about to get into that. But size also matters. I would never trust a big dog with a small bird or a big bird like a macaw with a small dog like my little Lambo toy poodle. I would be way too nervous with a macaw. If a macaw landed on him or beside him, I swear it's probably the same size as him, if not longer, because of its wings and feather tails and its beak is probably stronger than Lambo's little jaw. I also found a source here that I'm going to open up that talks about the different predators that parrots have. So let's take a look and just make sure we covered everything. What type of animal eats parrots? So there are other birds. These include raptors, hawks, and eagles, big cats. They can climb trees and catch parrots. Primates, they share trees with parrots and may see them as a meal. Reptiles, they can scale trees to catch a parrot or catch a parrot on the ground. Rodents, they can take eggs and kill chicks and small adult parrots. A parrot's most dangerous predators are found in the sky. Look at this. Predators that target Adult parrots need size, speed, and strength. After all, a macaw has a bite force of 350 to 400 PSI. Large parrots may be over three feet and boast an impressive 16.7 inch wingspan. At top speed, certain parrots can soar at 40 to 50 miles per hour. So that was really impressive. And so there are some big birds out there. And those big birds pose the biggest threat as a predator outside, whether you're doing free flight training or they're in the wild or you're outdoors, even with a harness on your bird or your bird in a backpack. It's still something to be mindful of. And that's the fear with free flight training. You need to really understand your bird and have really good training and know where you're taking them because you don't know what predators are up there. And sometimes birds can get spooked. They might fly off. There's all kinds of situations and scenarios that can happen. So it's something to consider. So now that we understand predators of parrots, and we also know that cats and dogs are predators for our parrots, we need to take a look at interspecies relationships and how it can work between a dog and a bird. So, as you know, our birds are conyers, and Lambo grew up with Mango, who is a sun conyer, and then with Mia, who is a green cheek, turquoise, yellow sided conyer. And so both Conyers are quite small, especially compared to Lambo. Lambo is obviously much bigger than them, but he is a small dog. He weighs five kilos and he is a toy poodle. Like I also mentioned, he is unique, I really feel like, because he is such an angel personality. And from a very young puppy age, he started training and we started training him with mango that he cannot go up to mango he cannot do anything with mango and he needs to be calm and still whenever mango is around i mean we don't force him to be calm and still but he just knows and he's been trained to be gentle so if you have a dog and a bird another thing to consider is the size small birds and big dogs or big birds and small dogs that just doesn't usually mesh. And you need to be really careful. You really need to exercise caution because you don't want either one of your pets to get hurt. And you certainly don't want an accident where one of them gets badly injured or they lose their life. So this is a huge risk and something to really exercise a lot of caution with. And so the first thing is you need to assess your dog's temperament. And before you introduce a parrot to your dog, you need to evaluate their temperament and ensure that they are really well-trained and you do a lot of training before bringing your bird home. And you also wanna make sure that they're obedient, that they're calm, not very aggressive, and that's also going to come down to each unique dog and their personality. Each dog is going to have a different personality and so we can't expect for all our animals or pets to get along. Some breeds are a lot more likely to get along with other animals And some are not. You really need to consider the characteristics of your individual bird and your individual dog. And so, off of that, I also want to add that when Lambo and Mango met, and over time their relationship grew, they were honestly really awesome with each other. If you followed us from the beginning, You've probably seen our pictures and our videos and we were featured on Love Imals about their relationship and how it just blossomed so naturally and wonderfully and it was really safe and of course always supervised. But with Lambo and Nia, it's a completely different dynamic because it's different personalities and Mia is completely different from Mango and so with Mia Lambo doesn't really like care he's just like oh okay she's there whereas with Mango he would go check on him or like they were just so sweet together I, I I can't even can't even deal it was so cute but yeah, they really like enjoyed each other's company whereas with Mia, they're completely indifferent from each other. Occasionally Mia will fly over to Lambo and she'll be interested in his curls and his soft not fur. I mean, he has hair and his soft hair. But they aren't having the same dynamic that Lambo and Mango did and I didn't expect them to and I didn't force it to be that way. And it just is what it is. So the next thing, which we talked about a lot, is training your dog. You want to do a lot of basic obedience training. This is going to be crucial. You want your dog to uh, have commands down-packed, like sit, stay, leave it, or down. These are going to be essential in controlling your dog when your bird is out. If you're even going to have them out in the same room, this is not always safe. For us, it's different because like I've said, I've worked through this a long time and so I really understand my dog and my parrot and my parrot is usually always with me. So right now, Mia's in my hand napping and Lambo is on the couch napping and I feel comfortable with the situation. I know that everything is honky dory, a-okay, groovy, like a driving movie. And yeah, the next thing is also when you're considering on bringing a second animal home that's a different species, say you have a dog and you're bringing a parrot home, or you have a parrot and you're bringing a dog home, consider the species, the size, the characteristics, take all of these things into consideration. And if it's going to be a good idea, I've had people message me and say, I have a cat and I want to bring a parrot into my home. Where do I start? What should I do? What do you recommend? Is this a good idea? And for me, I always say, I don't think it's a good idea. I would say that you wait until you no longer have a cat or have a situation where there's no cat around the bird. So I think it's like a choice. You're choosing a cat or a bird. You also want to prepare separate spaces. You want to make sure that your dog and your parrot, they have their own spaces, especially when they're not supervised, so that both animals have their safe zones. And for example, Mia's cage, it's elevated and it has really good locks and Lambo can't reach her cage. I mean, I've never even seen him try to. He's not interested in the cage at all, but you could also get a little fence that goes around your bird's cage or just have a completely separate bird room and then when you're going out, your dog is in a different space, your bird is in a different space, so you don't have to worry about anything. And close that door to the room where your bird's cage is in or if it's a bird room or anything like that and You don't want, you want to make sure that your dog is not able to get into that room no matter what. So, yeah, it's a lot of things to really think about. And when we first were introducing Lambo with Mango and even Lambo with Mia, you want to have slow introductions first from a distance, then we can get a little bit closer. But just be really careful and always have these sessions supervised But you need to do all the training and all those other things before you even ever consider doing these slow introductions where they get to know and understand and see each other, smell each other, and know that they coexist in the same home. You want to make sure that it's in a controlled environment. And with the dog, you can even use a leash and harness so that you can ensure that your dog can't reach your parrot Or even do it through a door, a glass door or a mesh door. We used to have a doggy gate and Mango couldn't fly yet. So we would kind of do these introductions through the doggy gate separated in two different rooms. And it would be me on one side with Mango and my husband on the other side with Lambo. And Lambo would still have a harness on and my husband was able to hold the harness. So just in case he knew that he had you know, a controlled environment where he would be able to keep Lambo with him without him jumping or running after the bird in any type of situation. So that's also going to be important and keep your initial introductions really short and positive. You always want to have them leave on a positive note and reward your dog for calm behavior reward your bird for positive interactions as well and make sure that the interactions are in a neutral place in your home because pets animals they can be territorial it's in their nature to be territorial sometimes over certain areas or environments or you know their aviary or their bed and things like that you want to make sure that it's in a neutral area for both of your pets you also need to make sure that you're monitoring body language and this is also really important you need to pay close attention to your dog's body language and your bird's body language especially with each interaction, whether it's short or longer and ensure that the interactions are at the right time of the day. So if you start to see that either one of the pets are feeling stressed, agitated, aggression is starting to build up or anything like that, you need to step in and stop that and make sure it's in a controlled environment so you can stop it. And You want to make sure it's at the right time of day. So you wouldn't do it when your dog is feeling hungry or feeling super playful or just came back from the vet and got their vaccines or and are feeling really tired or when your parent is feeling cranky or hormonal or hungry because they just had their largest poop in the morning and now they're ready to eat and you're trying to have an interaction with your other pet not a good time, not a good idea. So that's another thing to keep in mind. There's a lot more to this than it seems. So that's why we're doing this episode today, because there's been a lot of questions about interspecies relationships and how I manage both my bird's needs and my dog's needs. And it's a balancing act. I will tell you that. Another note on hormones with birds during the time that your bird is hormonal or hormonal season, you're going to want to keep these interactions a lot shorter, especially if you notice your bird trying to rub their butt on your dog or, you know, nesting behavior in the fur or something like this. So you need to really be considerate of those types of situations as well. And as a parent or parent, you need to use your best judgment and always think of each of your pet's safety and their welfare first. And whenever they do have good interactions, you want to reward and reinforce that positive behavior. Whenever there's Calm and non threatening behavior between your dog and your parrot. Use treats to reinforce those positive reactions. And another thing that I feel like is sometimes overlooked is making sure that you do balance the needs and care for both your dog and your bird, and they feel equally loved and they get equal TLC because sometimes animals can develop jealousy. And we see this all the time with dogs and we see this all the time with birds as well. They can get jealous over their humans, over other birds they have that in them that they can become jealous and feel jealous. So if they are jealous of one another, then that can be really problematic. And these interactions are also not going to be a good idea. So ensuring that your pets are not jealous of each other or jealous of you is another important factor to consider. Um, You also want to provide a lot of mental and physical stimulation for both your dog and your bird. And a well-exercised dog is less likely going to be fixating on your bird as a prey or making sure that they're well-fed is also going to be important. And when they are mentally and physically stimulated doing their own things, then there's a higher chance of them coexisting in the same space in a more relaxed way. So for example, Mia has her bird stations set up and they are elevated to a point where Lambo is not going to reach. Even if he was able to stand on his back legs for a longer time and prop up his front paws, then he would still not be able to get to her because of how small he is. And so those bird stations are elevated and there's lots of foraging and fun things to do. And each day I make sure that it's cleaned and that there's fresh foraging opportunities and fun toys and things like that for me to do. And then Lambo usually gets a really long walk, a frisbee toss. <laughs> and he also gets a lot of foraging toys and games at home as well so sometimes I'll create a foraging game for both of them and they're doing their own thing in the same space but it's supervised and they're busy in their own world foraging for their own treats and what they're excited about so providing those opportunities is also going to be a huge help And making sure that they're both mentally stimulated and exercised really well. And the second last tip that I'm going to leave you with is to never leave your dog and your bird unsupervised. This is when the most accidents happen. And it's so important that any time that they're out or they're in the same space, every interaction is being supervised. And you're ensuring that when you're not home, your pets are also safe. And a lot of times they have to be separated. It's not always the case. And I'm not telling anybody how to do this, but it is really important to be mindful about that and to just make sure that they are always supervised. And so for us, it also really works because me and my husband both work from home, we are able to supervise them all of the time. So that is another thing to consider. And if you do work from home and you're considering a bird or a dog, uh, I think that it's a great companion to have. And it's pretty great because you get to spend a lot of time with them and you're home a lot of the time. Um, The last tidbit that I will add to this is that you have to allow the relationship between interspecies to happen naturally. You can't force these interactions. You can't force a relationship. You can't force them to like each other. Just like when you bring a new bird into your flock, you don't know if they're going to bond and like each other and get along great or if they're going to hate each other and try and fight each other, or if you're going to have to work on getting them to tolerate each other. And that's as far as it goes. Every animal is different. They have their own personalities, especially when it comes to interspecies relationships, then the personalities are different, but also their characteristics, the needs and everything else is different. So we can't force these relationships. We need to observe the behaviors the body language and not all pets' personalities are going to mesh well. And you have to accept that that's okay too. Nobody's choosing your best friend for you, you're choosing your best friend. And so we can't choose our pets' best friends. It's always a gamble bringing a new pet home, but we do sure try our best. That's it for today. I hope that this was insightful and helpful. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parrot Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra, from Poodles and Parrots, and we'll see you in the next episode.